0: I'd like to say hello to everybody and invite you into the C-suite, the journey. My name is Glenn Friedman. I'm the CEO of Prager Medicine International, a top 100 accounting and consulting firm. And I'm joined today by a good friend, a longtime friend, and the managing partner of Molard Spitz and DeSantis, Alice Spitz. Hi, Alice. Good
1: morning, Glenn.
0: Good morning, yeah. This is actually the earliest Um, One of these podcasts I've done and uh, I don't know who knows, maybe that'll be the charm and I'll just have to do them early in the morning from now on. Um, I'm trying to get this down, right? So uh, I hope that I'm getting better at it. And which brings me to a, an interesting question. How long does it take to get good at being a CEO?
1: I don't know. I'm still practicing. Hmm. Uh, Isn't that the case? Yes. Yeah. You know, I learn every day from things that change in the world or things that change in the office. So I think it's it's a constant. It definitely took a while sitting in the, you know, seat in charge to uh, get the kinks out and learn how to because well, I was just going to say, you know, I'm a trial lawyer. I was practicing as a trial lawyer and then suddenly became the managing partner of the firm. And so then I wore two hats and I had to continue practicing law as well as practice at managing a firm.
0: Right. Yep. I know. I totally understand. I was a practicing CPA. And then one day I'm the CEO of the firm. So but let's let's take it back a little bit because we've got a pretty long history, right? Um, we do a very long history, and and so Prager Metis, and I don't know if Alice is even aware of this, but in the in the beginning when Prager Metis started, it, if you take it back, you go back to Metis, and then you go back to Spitz and Friedman, and frankly, um, when Spitz and Friedman moved into its little tiny uh, two person office, Alice was there, and. And and here's a, a little bit of trivia. Um, we probably wouldn't be here today, but for the fact that Alice was a trial lawyer, <laughs> and earning a living, and, <laughs> and so it, it it enabled us to go out and start Spitz and Friedman. And and honestly, because of generosity, um, if we were lucky enough to collect fees, I would probably draw ahead of Jay Spitz um, because he had the means to put food on his table through Alice. So that's a little bit of uh, Prager Metis uh, trivia. So let's think about the journey, Alice. You you go to law school. I'm I'm pretty certain I I knew your dad and your mom and um, I'm pretty sure they didn't sit around the table and say, gee, someday you're gonna grow up to be the managing partner of the law firm. And maybe your mom had those skills. I'm not sure your dad would have had those skills. but so how do you make that leap from becoming a trial lawyer, going to law school, to all of a sudden finding that uh, you're it, tag, you're it? How, how does that happen?
1: When I went to law school, I had this plan of becoming a trial lawyer, and I had no idea what that meant. And I went through law school with, I'm never hanging my grades next to my diploma, let me just get through this. and Did and got my first job uh, in a way that would never happen in a million years today. I actually put on a suit, went to the Empire State Building, took the elevator to the top floor, and started knocking on doors with my resume. And got my first job while I was in law school as a part time clerk for a litigation attorney who was on the 79th floor of the Empire State Building. So I, I went down about six floors before I actually landed a job and uh, started practicing law that way. And when I graduated and passed the bar, I worked for a small insurance company for about a year. And then after that, joined uh, what is now Molad Spitz and DeSantis, but what was then uh, Weiss, Molad Berkowitz, and Gdoski as a third-year associate. And the incredible thing is those guys had both really great clients and a lot of trust and faith in the young talent that they were bringing up. And uh, I started working there and they allowed me to practice law and start by taking depositions and then actually try cases as a young lawyer. And unfortunately for the young lawyers today, that doesn't happen. And it was a good combination of an insurance company client that had a lot of trust and faith in the partners of the firm. And then the partners of the firm having a lot of trust and faith in both me and some other young associates. And one of them is Sal DeSantis, who's my partner today. So we got opportunities that. I think young people don't get today, and that is to try a lot of cases early on, big cases, small cases, that there were a variety of them. And so that journey, you know, it, it had to do with my upbringing, because I was brought up with a good work ethic, I was brought up with aspirations of success, and however you describe that and, you know, a good strong background of hard work.
0: That's interesting. So, uh, you know, there's a theme that does run through uh, every one of these conversations, and it does have to do with hard work and opportunity, right? And you can't have one without the other. And, and it doesn't hurt to have family support either. But I always say, and I don't know if this is true for you, Alice, I think you're pretty smart, but I always say I'm not, I'm not the smartest guy ever in the room but I'm definitely the hardest worker. And I, I think people underestimate how far you can go with hard work. Um, is that a fair statement?
1: Absolutely. And that's true for me. I, I can, I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I will work harder than anybody else in there. And I will, you know I try and lead by example in that regard in the office. and you know that helps when you're asking people to do things because they know you're not asking anyone to do anything that you wouldn't do yourself.
0: Right. You know, and, and this notion of repetition and not being great at something right from the start. Um, you know, lately we've all been locked up in the house and I've been watching whatever I can watch and I'm sort of running out of things to watch, but I, I just started watching Jerry Seinfeld in uh, comedians having coffee and and the the interesting thing through every one of those comedian interviews um each one of them talks about going from club to club to club and sitting there till like 1 in the morning at the bar until somebody finally gives them the opportunity to get out there and do their thing with nobody there no audience or people walking out and the fortitude of just doing it over and over and over again until you get it right there's just no way to um there's no other way to do it. And and so you, you talk about young people today and, you know, especially with COVID and, and training remotely and things like that, you know, is, is that a concern of yours?
1: The work ethic of younger people is a concern of mine, but I've seen exceptions to the rule, which are terrific when I come across somebody that does work as hard as you know, my generation works, it's comforting and exciting. And, you know, we want to put a lot of effort and grooming into that person to see them as the future of the firm, which is, you know, very exciting for us. And when you come across the people who don't work that hard, honestly, I find it sad.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you think you can get there because I, I we, you know, we all wrestle and we all put a lot of time, effort, and resources into this whole work-life balance thing. Do you think you can really get there without that hard work?
1: I don't think so. I think hard work. Maybe people have, uh, maybe you know, the super smart people. But at any time I've ever encountered anybody who was reasonably successful in their professional life or When you encounter people, like you say, watching things and podcasts and listening to people, it's always about the energy and the effort that's put in. And you said the word repetition, you know, definitely repetition helps and practice helps and preparation helps. And uh, in my opinion, even, you know, especially as a trial lawyer, there's just no substitute for preparation and preparation takes time.
0: Right, you know, I actually, you know, you talk about life experiences. Last week, I saw, of all people, Pitbull, and Pitbull is an interesting rapper because he has a message, and his message to everybody in the audience was, "You got to work hard, and you got to want to be a leader and not a follower." Mm-hmm. And I thought it to be such a a wonderful message, but I think he's talking to a lot of people today that don't really understand what it takes to lead. So let's talk a little bit about, I assume you're a better leader today than you were 20 years ago. Is for that sure. a reasonable statement? For sure. So you don't just come to it, uh, everybody, you know, you weren't born with these skills. Um, just like your trial skills, you had to learn. And for the most part, it's on the, on the job training, isn't it?
1: Without a doubt. And I've made my mistakes. And, you know, the good news is you learn from your mistakes. And one thing I learned early on is I learn more from my mistakes than I do from my successes, because I replay them way more in my head with other people, consultants, than I do my successes. My successes, they happen, you move on. But when you make a mistake, you revisit it over and over again, and uh, the expression trial and error certainly has its meaning when it comes to leading people.
0: Yeah, no uh, mistakes are, are the best teacher. You don't learn anything from your successes, but uh, I, I heard Quincy Jones the other day say it's the valleys that, that you really need to focus on and how you deal with the valleys because the, the the mountains will take care of themselves. So mm. um, man, I have learned so much from mistakes, but I will say this, you do get to an age where you just really don't want to replay those mistakes over and over again. I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit uh, more generous with myself over mistakes than I used to be.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think that's true. And fortunately, I think I make fewer mistakes and they're not as big. <laughs> so I think that makes <laughs> it easier to be more yeah. generous with myself
0: so but your journey to to being the managing partner was not a direct route it wasn't really gee you know at some point in time i want to own a firm and manage that firm is that true
1: i don't know i think i always wanted my own law firm but i didn't know what that meant so i had an abstract vision that eventually of course came true but it, it was a journey. I mean, I, I worked, you know, for Fred Molod primarily. And, you know, he was a wonderful mentor, a wonderful teacher. I mean, he's still around, but he's retired. So when I put it in the past tense, I want to give a shout out to the fact that Fred is still alive. But he was a great example. And I remember he he came to me. I, I mean, I was working for him and he came into my office one day. And I I was in my late 20s, early 30s. I was very young. And he said to me, you know, I I just came from a meeting and I'd like you to come to the next meeting. And I said, you know, what, well, what's the meeting? What's it about? And he said, you know, honestly, it was a bunch of gray-haired men sitting around talking about the future of the industry. And I realized that you're the future of the industry. And he brought me to a meeting and it was a meeting of the Harmony Group. It was an organization that just got started and it was, there were about 10 law firms from around the country, and I think one or two from Canada at that time, maybe not, Canada joined us later. And we started meeting regularly. Now the Harmony Group is uh, 68 firms. It's international. It built on itself. And it was the leaders of the firms that got together, not only to talk about, you know, management, but mostly to talk about the business of the industry, the insurance defense industry. And we Educate each other, we educate the industry, we invite industry guests to the meetings, and that training ground was invaluable. And that enabled me to tap into people who did what I do, but who were not competitors, who were collaborators with me, and teach me a lot about operating an insurance defense practice.
0: Okay, so. Honestly, that, I mean, that is a tremendous story. And, you know, I know that you've been a part of that group forever. But for me, the most interesting thing there is um, Fred's vision and his generosity and his ability to uh, share with you and support you. And, and how tell me how important that is to a, a, a young person coming up.
1: It's invaluable, Glenn. It was invaluable to me then. I try and do that for people in my firm now and for members of the Harmony Group also that are from other firms, mentoring is hugely valuable and opportunity, you know, you make your opportunity but you get presented with opportunity as well and you can be presented with opportunity and not take it as we've all seen happen from time to time. So so that relationship, you know, is a very special one to me, very, very valuable. I'm very proud of it and uh, and I hope I've lived up to Fred's expectations.
0: That's really interesting. So pay it forward is alive. So Fred should p- feel pretty good about that too, because it, yes. it, it, you've learned from him certainly more than the law. You've learned uh, how to be generous to the future. And I, I bet you that that will be appreciated and passed on from there. So tell me what, or give me some advice for uh, young people that, you know, are on this path and, perhaps want to be you or um or you know want to just be a trial lawyer but how would you 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 come out of law school what kind of advice would you give to a young person moving into the profession
1: the real answer or the fake answer
0: <laughs> the real answer well let's let's compare them else? let's compare them let's hear the real and the fake answer uh,
1: you know i have to say i would not advise someone coming out of law school now to go into this business it's a very difficult and competitive business and very very challenging and it's more challenging now than it was when I was younger so the real answer is go to corporate America and be a lawyer there it's much more comfortable but I don't know that because I never was in corporate America I was always in private practice I was always in this you know I've been in this firm for over 35 years so uh I don't know that and you know But the answer to young people who want to do what I do is, you know, work hard to do it, work hard to do it and follow the suggestions. You know, I make suggestions to lawyers in my office and when they follow them, their path is easier. And when they don't follow them, their path is much harder.
0: What would you do if a young Alice that's walked into your office in a suit and and had a resume?
1: I don't know that I would recognize her, but I I can say I have young people in my office. I'm cultivating them as the future of the firm. By that, I mean I teach them the lessons that I've learned. I give them the tools that they need to defend cases and communicate with clients and communicate with the industry as best that I can at this point. And they are taking it to a new level with social media and a platform that I never had.
0: Yep. Okay. So just to wrap this up, Alice, um, let's talk about what it's afforded you, right? Because, you know, hard work is hard work, but there's gotta be some rewards. And I know you live a pretty nice lifestyle and, you know, that's the, the uh, do you feel like you have a work life balance?
1: I have somewhat of a work life balance. Uh, it's been higher or lower over various years, but I think I think now it's a pretty comfortable place. Uh, I'm very blessed. Uh, I have gotten some of the rewards of working hard and I I still do work hard. But, yeah, I have I have a nice place in the country and. I get to go there and relax and water ski and, and do all sorts of fun things. So uh, I certainly enjoy that. I I have a wonderful family and I get to see them and, you know, barring COVID issues and, you know, in normal life. And I have a pretty wide circle of friends that, you know, a tight circle of immediate friends, like many people, and a, a wide circle of other friends that I get to see and spend time with and speak with if I don't get to see them. So it's pretty good.
0: There you go. So you've got a work life balance and you manage to work hard at the same time and you're reaping those rewards. So Alice, I really want to thank you for joining us on our first morning session of our podcast. (laughs) And I want to thank everybody for joining us on Inside the C-Suite, The Journey, and have a great rest of the day. Thank you.
1: Thanks, Glenn. Thanks so much. It's been a pleasure.